0: You're seeing your friends who are very settled in their careers. I was sort of stepping back thinking, well, I don't know if I want this. And and it took a long time to realise that it was okay to have those type of thoughts. But that process was ambiguous, uncertain
1: and scary. Welcome to Career Relaunch, the podcast focused on helping you create a more fulfilling career. My name is Joseph Liu, and I'm here to help you gain the clarity, confidence, and courage to overcome the challenges of making changes to your career so you can do more meaningful work and enjoy your professional life. In each episode, I feature people who have stepped off the beaten path to reinvent their careers and successfully make a major career pivot. We talk through their unique personal stories, the challenges they overcame, and the lessons they learned along the way to help you take the brave steps needed to relaunch your own career. Today, my guest is going to share his experiences helping professionals transition out of corporate life into franchise business ownership. We'll discuss how franchising can be a doorway to career change, and how to manage other people's reactions to your career choices. Afterwards, during today's Mental Fuel, I'll discuss the importance of having positive people in your life and career. Hello again. As you may have noticed, I took a short break from the podcast this month because I've been traveling for the past few weeks with my wife and daughter in the U.S. and Turkey, which included stops in Ankara, Ankara. New york city las vegas and portland i was in istanbul to officiate a wedding for a couple friends there then eventually wrapped up the trip in astoria oregon to reconnect with some good college friends whom i've known for over half my life which is kind of crazy to think about the travels were definitely both fun and exhausting with our eight month old so i'm happy to be back in the uk but the trip was really meaningful And it gave me a chance to reflect on my own life the people in my life and my career which i'm going to come back to in today's mental fuel before we get started with today's interview i did want to share some exciting news about the show if you're a regular user of spotify you may have noticed that they've started to feature some podcasts in their content library which used to only be streaming music And I'm happy to announce that Career Relaunch is one of the career podcasts now featured on Spotify. So if you're an avid Spotify user like me, you can now listen to this show by searching for Career Relaunch on the mobile or desktop app, then clicking on the heart or follow button to add it to your personal library. That way you can be the first to receive each episode the moment it's released. You can also visit careerrelaunch.net slash Spotify to go straight to the Spotify show listing okay on to today's episode today i'm featuring adrian knight the managing director of Knight franchises an executive search firm that helps professionals transition out of corporate life into franchise business ownership his firm educates people on all things franchising providing them with all the resources they need to make the transition Adrian himself made the transition away from the corporate world, and he's come to believe you have to expect the unexpected in your career, and trust the natural rhythm of life to lead you in the right direction, even if it's not completely clear where you're going. Now, Adrian's someone who applied to be on the show because he wanted to raise awareness for franchising as an enabler for career change. I myself didn't really know a whole lot about franchising, and I felt like Adrian could provide some useful insights into this world of business ownership, which you might find especially eye-opening if you have entrepreneurial aspirations, but don't necessarily want to start a business of your own. You can get all the show notes from today's episode at careerrelaunch.net slash 44, Adrian spoke with me from London, England. Hello, Adrian, and welcome to Career Relaunch. It's great to have you on the show.
0: Joseph, it's great to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me.
1: I was wondering if you could just kick us off, Adrian, by just telling us what you're focused on right now in your career and also your life.
0: I run a career transition business called Night Franchises. We've been going for about three years, primarily in the UK. And we've really been going from strength to strength. So right now, uh, me and and my very small team are focused on building what we're doing, building our presence in the UK, but also in the US where we have been uh, working as well.
1: We're gonna get into franchising a little bit more later in our conversation after we talk about your own career trajectory, but can you just give us a quick glimpse into the types of people you work with or the types of clients that you have?
0: Fundamentally, we work with people who have reached a stage in their career and also in their life where priorities have begun to shift and they're looking to do something different than what they have been doing over the past. Business ownership is always a very popular channel for people to look at but I think it's it can be such a a big thing that a, a lot of people don't know where to start so We really present franchising, which is a form of business ownership, as a potential avenue and really help those people, first of all, evaluate whether franchising is a viable vehicle for them. And if so, working them through that process, upskilling their franchising knowledge and helping them to understand which franchises would be most suitable for them. What we have found is that in terms of the people who we work with, they can vary greatly from someone who's in their late 20s and just doesn't want to be doing what everyone else is doing, all the way through to directors and vice presidents who have spent 25-plus years working in a corporate environment and have just had enough. They want to do something different. So it's quite a varied business in the people that we work with, but it's it's fascinating.
1: Cool. Well, I am looking forward to hearing a little bit more And learning a little bit more about franchising, Adrian, because that's actually not an area that I necessarily know about. And I also know that when someone's listening to this show and maybe they're thinking about leaving the corporate world, for example, and maybe starting their own business, automatically people think, I got to start my own startup or my own independent business, which can sometimes feel a little bit daunting. And it sounds like franchising is just one other avenue that we haven't really talked about on this show before. So yeah, looking forward to talking about that in more detail. But before we do that, I was wondering if we could talk a little bit more about you and your own career trajectory, because I know you've also navigated some career changes yourself. And I was wondering if you could just take us back to the time when you were working in recruitment, both at, I think there were a couple of companies you mentioned to me before, IT Talent and Red Hat. Can you just tell us a little bit more about what you were up to then? And then we can move forward from there.
0: I went into recruitment straight out of university because I really wanted to develop my sales skills and just my business-facing skills. During university, we had started a student business and it it had grown and it was going really well. But obviously, that dream came to an end and I knew I had to to grow up. So I went into recruitment largely because my friends did, to be honest, Joseph. Uh And I was very intrigued by the whole notion behind it. It was almost unintentionally that I started to uh, progress through Uh, I started off as a trainee and uh, from there I was promoted to a consultant and then a senior consultant and then running a small team of recruiters and while it was great fun there was always something in the back of my mind saying this like this isn't it I just didn't know what the other thing was so that really sort of took me on a on a mental and emotional journey while working in recruitment still exploring all of these different other paths and avenues and trying to work out what my thing was where my place in the world
1: was now before we get to your transition adrian We have had a recruiter on this show before, but we were treating that conversation more informationally for people who are interested in in trying to find their next job and how to work with a recruiter. I was wondering if you might be able to just, before we get to your transition, just give us a glimpse into what it's like to be a recruiter.
0: I've been very fortunate in that I've worked in a couple of different recruitment roles, and there's many different types of recruitment. I think recruitment gets a bad name, and it's certainly tied with the wrong brush in in many instances. In my first recruitment role, that was very much almost like a boiler room environment. So the people in there, there was a a lot of big egos, there was a lot of testosterone, there was calling a 100 companies a day as a target, and if you didn't, you were severely reprimanded for it. It wasn't the best of environments, and it certainly wasn't one that was congruent with with my personality. I then moved on after a few years, I moved on to what's known as internal recruitment. And I was very fortunate to land a job working for a global technology company who were at the time kind of the equivalent to Microsoft when Microsoft were 15 years old. So they were a billion dollar company, but they were still growing rapidly. And that was the complete 180 to what I just come from. And in that role, it was very much about headhunting, about taking time with people, learning to understand, really understand people and their motivations and what they're looking for in their next career, the next step. I was very fortunate to progress quite well through the company. I was initially in charge of recruiting a small part of the the Red Hats business in the UK and also in Denmark and Sweden. Just after a year, I was responsible for recruiting across uh, Europe, Middle East and Africa. So that was 13 different countries, 13 different cultures, many different people. And it was just a remarkable experience, the best job of my life. So in terms of what it's like to operate in recruitment, my two experiences were chalk and cheese. But interestingly, both of them have greatly contributed to to what I'm doing now.
1: So it sounds like you had a diverse experience in the recruitment industry, and you alluded to the fact that you decided at some point that maybe this wasn't for you. Could you take me back to the moment, if you remember it, when you decided that you wanted to make a change?
0: I was approaching my 30th birthday, and I was just going through a phase where I knew if if I wanted to make a change, then it had to be soon. I was doing well in my job, but it wasn't necessarily... I was looking around and seeing people who are 20, 30 years my senior, and I was thinking, I do not want to be in that situation. I do not want to live that type of life. But if I was to do something, it had to be sooner rather than later. Uh, particularly as at the time, I, was, I didn't have any major commitments in terms of mortgages or, or anything particularly holding me down. And if I was to take any risks from changing my career... That was the
1: time to do it and before we started recording you had mentioned to me that you went through what sounds like a very long period of time trying to figure stuff out and that is oftentimes where people find themselves when they're listening to this show is that state of uncertainty and confusion and i was wondering if you could just give us a glimpse into that transitional time for you and i understand you you actually traveled for a few months
0: during my 20s when I was working at uh, in my first recruitment role and then with, with Red Hat, I, was, I took a lot of time to go off uh, travelling. So I was very fortunate to visit a lot of countries and I had employers who were open to that. But I really used those travel periods as a time to step away from the norm, step away from my friends and family and the, sort of their expectations they may have around me and to really figure stuff out during that time and during my roles, I've, I was always testing things on the side, like putting up a blog and seeing how people responded to it or trying something else, a little business venture, just to see what it was like. And that period lasted for 10 years before I really found my, like, where my button was. And it, it was a very challenging period. Because you're seeing your friends around you who are very settled in their careers and, and and in their lifestyles and looking forward to the future. But I was sort of stepping back thinking, well, I don't know if I want this. and And, and it took a long time to realize that it was okay to have those type of thoughts. But that process was very ambiguous, uncertain and scary.
1: <laughs> How did you ultimately... Figure out that you wanted to move into the world of franchising?
0: I don't think it was even a question of figuring it out. When I saw it, I knew it. And then that was the difference. I had found something that truly sparked something inside of me. I became very curious about it and, and wanted to learn all about it. And when I saw the type of roles within that space, it immediately made me realize well, that's going to build very well my skill set that I've developed to date and also where my my real core interests lie and it was almost that intersection between where my interests were my core skills and this thing this that kept pulling me towards it that's how I knew and everything just kind of flowed from that
1: I see so let's talk a little bit about the next chapter of your career you spent some time trying to figure out what you wanted to do you traveled you had this moment where you realized that the franchising world was where you wanted to head next. What then happened next for you once you decided that this was the direction you wanted to take your career?
0: It actually took about 18 months to fully make the transition. And once I knew that this was the place where I wanted to be, I'd actually found someone in in the US who uh, offered training in the particular area where I wanted to operate and really took a time to be able to put myself in a a position where I could go out to the U.S., train with him, learn how he was doing things, and then come back and begin to set the foundations of what is now our business that we're doing. The big moment, it was probably about 12 months from that, where I handed in my notice and and left my, my role, that was a pretty big moment and then it took another six months from leaving my job to really get things up and running. Again, it was a very ambiguous and uncertain time even though I knew what I wanted to do. There were so many unknowns and just work through almost with your hands out in front of you dealing with whatever came
1: up. Yeah, that's a really interesting transitional period of time, Adrian. When you've resigned from your role, you know that's what you don't want to do but you haven't completely ironed out what's next for you, what do you think was the hardest part about that transitional period before you ultimately landed on uh, what you're doing right now?
0: In a way, the people around me. So my family and friends have always been very supportive, but they couldn't understand why I was, why I was leaving uh, what was at a time a very good job to go and do something that was completely un- unknown and in a way was not a very good time. Uh, I mean, in my mind, I was I just turned 30 and I was thinking this is the best time. And everyone was, was saying to me, well, now you should be settling down. But that wasn't on my agenda just yet. That was a challenging period to go through. But then it also reinforced that I was making the right move because I looked around at the people who were saying these things. And I looked at their lives and I realized, well, that's not the life I want to live. And so logic would imply that therefore what they're saying is is not necessarily the the right advice for me right now
1: that's a really great perspective adrian to have because yeah sometimes we get critiqued by people and i don't know about you but that definitely gets to me even though it might be the case that actually their life isn't one that i necessarily want to have but and yet i still take it quite personally and so yeah it's a that's like i think it's important to remember that i'd love to change gears a little bit now having talked a little bit about your own career transition. And I think it's about time we start talking about exactly what franchising is, because I have to admit before we spoke, I've heard of franchising. I'm familiar with the concept of franchising. But for those listeners who maybe aren't familiar with franchising, could you just start off by just defining exactly like what is franchising and what happens when you're in that world as a franchisee?
0: I mean, first of all, when talking about franchising, it's very common to hear the names McDonald's, Domino's, Subway's, those real fast food concepts. But a lot of people are surprised to learn that there's actually over 900 different franchise opportunities in the UK and nearly 4,000 in the US. Now, a franchise is essentially a pre-proven business. So it's a, dare I say, business in the box. It's a, a business model that has been proven to uh, deliver a particular product or service to an end customer. And so much so that it creates enough value that the customers are willing to pay for it and therefore generating your profit. It's a real great way of starting a business without a lot of the un- unknowns that come with business ownership. And so franchising is essentially a business model plus a brand, a well-known brand in which you're operating under and uh, uh,
1: sort of licensing their brand. Uh, yeah, one of the things I've always wondered about, Adrian, and you're exactly right. The first companies that come to mind for me when I think about franchising are Domino's and McDonald's. Like those are the first two that come to mind. And I was always just curious about as a franchisee, if you're running one of those franchises, how much scope do you have to do what you want versus just executing what the brand strategy, the brand vision is for that particular company. I've always wondered how much latitude those business owners have.
0: With the bigger brands such as Domino's and McDonald's, you have very little wiggle room. In fact, it's almost the same as being in a corporate role, really. they, McDonald's and, and Domino's will run those businesses or the, the operations so tight that you don't have a lot of room. In some of the younger brands that don't have such a wide spread, there is a bit more scope to be entrepreneurial. But the big question to really be asking yourself if you're thinking about that when looking at franchising is, is franchising really right for you? See, what we've observed is that entrepreneurs, people with a real entrepreneurial spark, aren't necessarily best suited for franchises because what they will do is they will go into it and try and change everything and they fail to realize that really what they've got here is a proven business model and all they need to do is to use their skills and experiences to bring that business model to life. So when going into these you really want to be following the guidelines of the franchise or following their system as closely as possible because that's what's going to make you successful much quicker.
1: And are there any particular types of people that you think are especially well-suited to become a franchisee? I know you mentioned just now that maybe those uh, hardcore entrepreneurs, it's not for them. What about the types of people who you have noticed do tend to excel in the area of franchising? I'd say
0: people who are earlier in their career, so very much almost where I was a few years ago in terms of they've spent maybe 5 10 years working for other people and they're not quite sure if that's what they really want to do they look around and see other people who are 10 20 years ahead of them and they know that they don't necessarily want that those life those type of people who are um, ambitious and and want to do something for themselves can do very well in franchising and we've seen some really great success stories also people who have spent 20 25 plus years working in a corporate environment, and, and who have built a, a real great skill set, quite a lot, a lot of experience over, over that time, but want to start applying it in a different way. We found that they can make fantastic franchisees and really bring a lot of value and a lot of success to their doorstep, primarily because they're using their skills to bring to life a business model that's already been proven.
1: And if somebody is listening to this and they are interested in maybe exploring the world of franchising, one question I've got in my mind is how you get started. Like, let's say that, okay, I'm bought into the idea of franchising as an avenue to career change, as an avenue to running, quote unquote, my own business. And I want to go out and, I don't know, start a Domino's pizza. What do you do next? Like, how do you start in this industry?
0: It's really down to research. So jumping online and doing your research, finding out everything you can from a high level about franchising and, and the, the idea behind franchising and what a franchisee is, what a franchisor is, how those two work together, and really just observing your, your feelings and how you're responding to it when, when you're researching this stuff. If it's alive and if it's right for you, you will notice yourself getting very excited and you will naturally want to know more. And as you begin to move along the the educational process from the higher ideas of franchising through to start looking at the specific franchise opportunities out there, again, you will notice particular brands that will really jump out at you at the concept and, and you will just find yourself taking a natural process into researching those further. If you are ever eventually inspired to speak, to reach out and speak to particular brands, franchises themselves have a very structured process, a structured exploratory process on how you can really go about finding out more about them and helping you to understand whether they are whether they're right for you.
1: Have you noticed any particular patterns that people um, have gone through related to some of the challenges of actually succeeding as a franchisee?
0: One of the biggest challenges and patterns we we see is really, again, going back to how willing they are to follow the guidance and, and the model set out by the franchisor. I think it can be very common for people to come in and to see something and think, oh, wow, what have we done it this way? Or what have we tried this? When really the most successful people are following the guidance letter by letter. And they're the ones who get in established as quickly as possible. That was probably the biggest differentiator we've noticed by far.
1: I guess the last thing I was hoping to talk with you about, Adrian, before we wrap up with some of your current initiatives is to just go a little bit back to your own story and revisit this idea of career change. Because I know that you've been through career change. You also see people who have been through career changes. And they end up getting into franchising. When you look back on your own career change, is there something in particular that you wished you had known that you now know about making a change in your career?
0: Like looking back over those those 10 years of searching for, for my thing, it was quite easy to get down about the whole process and to not really see a light at the end of the tunnel and to just keep going along looking for new things and trying different things to see what works. And looking back i wish i had known that it was okay to be feeling those feelings and to be going through that process particularly as i mean if I, if i had my share an experience yeah we were at an engagement party a couple of months ago and i was with a lot of friends from sort of 10 15 years ago and during that time during the last 10 years i always looked around at them and, and saw them succeeding in their careers and really propelling forward and building these great lifestyles and and really enjoying themselves. And I was giving myself a hard time because I wasn't feeling the same feelings and and really progressing, having just having that focus. And when we was at this engagement party, it was just astonishing to see that actually things had flipped 180. And a lot of the people, a lot of my friends They hadn't aged very well. They were complaining about their jobs and just really that this wasn't really what they wanted to be doing. And I was thinking just how grateful I was that I invested the time and spent the time going through those earlier emotions and motions to really put ourselves in a place where we were very passionate about what we do and and very excited about each and every day.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting, Adrian. That's something that I think about a lot, especially in this age of LinkedIn, where I don't know about you, but I get those updates from people who have either gotten promoted or they've landed a new job. And it's hard not to think about how, quote unquote, successful they are. And yet, if you end up digging a little bit deeper and you have a conversation with them, you start to realize that it's not exactly what it seems on the surface and that people sometimes are actually less happy than it might seem on the outside having been through this career change also is there anything in particular that you learned about yourself through the process
0: i think one of the biggest sort of lessons personal lessons i've had is i wasn't who i thought i was earlier in my in my life and in my career i've learned there's a lot of things i'm not good at uh, there's a lot of things which, which i thought i was good at and there's on the other side things that i am good at and it's really been a process of letting go of the things that i wasn't good at and accepting that i wasn't good at them rather than trying to to do everything and instead focusing on doing the things that i was more natural at and building a support team around me to help with those other things that's been probably the, one of the biggest lessons
1: what I'd love to do now, Adrian, is to wrap up with what you're focused on now at Night Franchises. Can you just tell us a little bit about what's next for you guys over there? We're very
0: busy growing our team. Uh, we've been working with more and more people and helping them transition from corporate life into life as a franchise owner. Um, had even more conversations, just helping people to understand even if this was a viable path for them. So we are uh, very busy building that over here and then also from early next year really pushing forward with getting things uh, more established and launched in the us as well
1: all right very exciting well if people want to learn more about franchising or if they want to reach out to you to maybe explore some options related to franchising where can they go to learn a little bit more and to get in touch
0: to get in touch the best way is my personal email address which is Adrian at nightfranchises.com. Alternatively, please visit our website, nightfranchises.com, and you'll find a lot more information on uh, sort of career transition relating to franchising and just some, some case studies of other people who have gone through the same.
1: Cool. Well, thank you so much, Adrian, for taking time out of your busy day to tell us a little bit more about your own career trajectory and some of those things you learned about yourself along the way. And also, giving us a good snapshot of the world of franchising. I definitely found this educational and hope other people do too. So best of luck with everything you have going on there at Night Franchises and look forward to staying in touch.
0: Thank you so much, Joseph. It's a real pleasure and honor to be on your podcast.
1: So I hope you enjoyed hearing Adrian's perspectives on the world of franchising and his own career journey. Now it's time to wrap up with today's Mental Fuel, where I'm going to talk about why you need to be intentional about the community of people you choose to surround yourself with in your career and life. Before we get to today's Mental Fuel, I wanted to thank Brand Yourself for supporting this episode of Career Relaunch. Brand Yourself offers simple tools and services to help control what people find when they Google you. To clean up, protect, and improve how you look online, visit brandyourself.com and use promo code Relaunch to get 50% off a premium membership. This is the part of the show called Mental Fuel, where I finish the show with a brief personal story related to one of the topics we covered today and wrap up with a simple challenge to help you move forward with your own career goals. So for today's Mental Fuel, I want to pick up on something Adrian mentioned a few times about the impact people around us can have on our perceptions of our own career choices. And I want to speak specifically about the people we choose to surround ourselves with. The people we allow to influence our decisions, emotions, and happiness. And this is a topic that's been on my mind the past few weeks because I just turned 40 last month, which is a pretty big milestone in my life. And for my 40th birthday, I thought about maybe going back to San Francisco for a visit where I still have quite a few friends and former colleagues floating around and hosting a gathering there. But instead, I decided to mark this milestone by going on this recent trip with my wife and daughter and spending time with a few people who have maintained a really positive presence in my life throughout the years. I visited my mother, someone who I really owe everything to, because she sacrificed so much to help me have a good life, and has always been so supportive of my career decisions and life decisions. I also reconnected with a few really close friends in New York City and Portland, who have been there for me in their own unique ways throughout important turning points in my life. And I'm so glad I did that, because during these past three weeks, I got a chance to spend time with these people whom I respect and who respect me, people who constantly impress me with their kindness and character, people who inspire me to be better without being harsh or overly critical, and people who remind me to focus on what truly matters, especially when I start to veer off track. So spending time with them was really re-energizing. Now, if you've listened to this show for a while, you probably know that I have my own fair share of self-doubts and intensive self-critique, that I'm someone who constantly reconsiders whether I'm going about things the right way, whether I could be approaching things differently to be more effective in my career, and whether I'm doing everything I can to be as resourceful as possible for the people in my life. And anyone who knows me well, Either personally or maybe even through listening to this show, can probably tell I'm pretty tough on myself at times, partially because I'm trying to push myself to be better. Spending time with these people actually made me feel pretty good about who I am and who I've become. I still have a lot to work on, but this trip was a really great way to reground myself as I start this decade in my life. And on the flight back from Portland to London, I couldn't help but think about the people I want to surround myself with during this upcoming decade. And for me, it comes down to three characteristics of people I do and don't prefer to be around. I want to surround myself with people where there's mutual respect, admiration, and acceptance. And I want to avoid people who are disrespectful, negative, and excessively judgmental. Luckily, I don't run across too many people in that latter group these days. I'm bringing this up because when Adrian was talking about steering clear of people who had a preconceived notion of how his career should look, or the people who were critiquing his decisions, it just reminded me how much of an impact people can have on your confidence and outlook. Back in episode 34 with Helen Wicks, we talked about setting standards for your career. Today, I want to remind you to also set standards for the people you choose to have around you to be intentional about the people you allow into your life and whose opinions you allow to affect how you perceive your own plans, your own character, and even your own self-worth. Now, if you're on board with this idea that the company you choose to keep matters, you may need to make some tough choices. You may, for example, need to take a break from some people who don't respect your choices. You may need to avoid people who have a preconceived notion of how your career should look, You may need to step away from people who constantly critique you. You may need to distance yourself from people who are bringing you down instead of lifting you up. You may just have to do these things so you can have the space, clarity, and freedom to live your life in a way you deeply believe is best for you and the people around you. We've all received criticism. I certainly have. I've had people question how I'm choosing to spend my time, who I'm trying to be, and even whether my priorities are in the right place. And I'm guilty of letting that get to me probably more than I should. But just remember that, as Adrian said, those very people who are criticizing you may have lives you don't want to live. They may even be people who aren't confident that they're making the right choices, especially when they're inconsistent with your choices. I'm not saying you should surround yourself with only those people who agree with you all the time, or only people who are exactly like you to avoid any friction. I'm also not saying you need to completely avoid people where there's conflict. Some of my most significant self-improvements came from people who were way different from me and challenged me to approach things differently. So I totally get the benefit of having a diversity of people around you. However, I am suggesting you may be well served by ensuring you're spending ample time with people who are doing the things you want to do who are living lives you admire, and who are behaving in ways you want to emulate. I really believe this is good for your psychology and motivation, and it's essential for staying true to yourself, pursuing the work you feel is right for your life, and ultimately spending your time doing things you find meaningful. This takes me to a couple relevant quotes. The first is from author Shannon Adler. Don't waste your time trying to explain yourself to people that are committed to misunderstanding you. And the second quote from singer-songwriter Rachel Wolchin. Surround yourself with people that reflect who you want to be and how you want to feel. Energies are contagious. So my challenge to you is to pinpoint someone who's been a positive force for your career. It could be a good friend, a family member, a colleague, or even an individual you've just been following online. Then take the time to get an extra dose of their presence in your life this week. This could be as simple as dropping them a note to say hello, setting up a time to reconnect over the phone, or better yet, making time to meet with them in person. And while you're at it, please don't forget to let them know how much you appreciate the positive impact they've had in your life. I myself am trying to make a point to say thank you a little bit more often these days. I'd love to hear who you decide to reach out to. So I'd invite you to leave a comment on the episode post you'll find at facebook.com slash career relaunch to let me know who this person is in your life. Before we go today, I just wanted to thank Cynthia, someone I met briefly at a networking event in London who left me this kind voicemail about the show.
2: Hello, Joseph. This is Cynthia. It's funny when you mentioned that you have a podcast, the other, um, day when we met at the event. I thought it was some kind of a random thing. And uh, my God, it's really, really good. You know, I tried other podcasts before. The only person that I truly was impressed other than you was uh, Seth Golden, who gave a very good uh, series on how to do startups. For many, many years, I worked as a software engineer. Around four years ago, I came to London because of my husband's relocation. And at that moment, I just quit my job from New York Stock Exchange and uh, feeling completely exhausted. So I joined a small startup. Somewhere down the road, I discovered that I was very, very interested in architecture. So I actually quit my job and enrolled a university program to study architecture. I did not achieve The result that I wanted, but I learned a great deal on the way. And that also makes me feel very drawn to your program.
1: Well, Cynthia, first of all, great to meet you at the event a couple months ago. And I'm really flattered to be mentioned in the same sentence as Seth Godin, who's a business thought leader I really respect. It sounds like you've taken some brave steps in your own career, and I hope your ongoing career transitions going as smoothly as possible. Thanks so much for your voicemail, and I really appreciate having you as a listener. If you would like to share your thoughts on Career Relaunch, I'd welcome you leaving me a voicemail at careerrelaunch.net slash 44, where you can also find a summary of all the key points from today's show. You can also leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts, which I would really appreciate, because it helps these stories reach more people who can benefit from them. You can also find the link to do that at careerrelaunch.net slash 44. In a couple weeks, I've got a really fun episode featuring someone who used to work in advertising and is now a professional DJ in Los Angeles. We're going to talk about her most recent performance at South by Southwest, listen to a couple of her tracks and learn how she became a DJ in the first place. Thanks so much for being part of the Career Relaunch community and a special thanks again to Adrian Knight for sharing his career story with us today. This episode was mixed by Richard Pennington, Electrocardiogram wrote and performed our original theme song. I'm Joseph Liu, and I'll see you next time.